Hey guys, I'm excited because we we have a series of guests on from from some of these fantastic television shows. Thank God for Discovery Plus and Travel Channel and all these because they have been loading me up on guests because I watch these shows and people probably wouldn't believe this, but I watch these shows and I'm like, oh my God, two reactions. First of all, this is fantastic. I want to reach out to this person or, hey, I know this person. And that happens more times than not. And that's what's happening with the, the next two guests that you will get. Tonight, we have on Candace Weston. Candace, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Candace, we have talked in the past inadvertently, not necessarily together, but through our circle of people about doing uh, some events. And one, one time, our buddy Jack Kenna and, and you and some others were going to be doing an event up at Ashmore Estates for that was going to benefit autism. And uh, we were happy to be a part of that COVID hit. And of course, that wiped everything out. So hopefully, like you were telling me that that's probably going to still be something that happens in the future, though. Yes, definitely still in cahoots with Jack Kenna and everybody else that still wanted to be involved. Um, But yeah, like I said, COVID kind of hit and kind of put everything on the back burner and everything on the damper for a lot of people. So once everything starts to get back up and running, which is it's everything's on the mend right now, everybody's starting to get back out and do things. So expect it to be coming within the next year or so. So it's it's nice, obviously. Obviously, we'll still be involved, so we're uh, we're excited to be a part of it. We have a, a granddaughter that's on the spectrum, so it's it's uh, near and dear to our hearts as well. Let's talk about an episode of of a new television show that's out. Eli Roth he has uh, a new episodes or a new series, I should say, called "A Ghost Ruined My Life," and that's on the Travel Channel, and I'm sure Discovery Plus and all those. I've only saw I've only seen two episodes and the very first one I saw was yours and oh. I, I, I joined it a little bit late and I kept thinking, man, she looks familiar. And then, you know, they always flashed the name and I saw Candace West and I know who that is. And like I said, we really hadn't talked personally, but I knew who you was. And I reached out immediately and said, hey, I sent you a friend request and said, hey, would you be willing to come on the show? And you said yes. The show, the episode of that show was the very second episode they put out. And I thought it was fantastic. The show was really well done. And it was very emotional for you because obviously it's one of these shows where they do the reenactments, but then they also have some of the same people on the episode. And you were uh, the one most affected uh, by this. You were on the episode talking and you broke down uh, three or four times where you had to walk away. How emotional is it reliving some of this stuff? The emotional part that really got to me is he, and he, Justin, the guy, the, my producer that was actually asking the questions, he, he told me it was going to, he was going to reach deep. This story actually goes back about 10 years or so um, to a, a past relation, my ex-wife um, and <laughs> It was a lot of things that I haven't really thought about nor rehashed since we we kind of went our separate ways and bringing back that emotional aspect behind it was something that really kind of hit me hard because we've both grown very much emotionally like things in our lives have changed tremendously and I think we've both become bigger people than what we were when we first got married and when we, we were in that relationship and looking back on some of the things that that affected our relationships and how we could have probably handled them better, especially on my part alone. It was, it was kind of a slap in the face, but a good one. I mean, I, I called her and texted her and I was like, listen, I just wanted to let you know, like all these things that I, 
may or may not have ever said sorry for, but all the things that we dealt with, I might not have been emotionally supportive for you like I should have been. And, you know, I greatly apologize. So it was, it was one of those uh, awakening moments, I guess, <laughs> with a lot of tears. Now, when, when I wrote my book, I went through the same thing. And, you know, there were there were things that I hadn't had to face, like a failed suicide attempt and a divorce and everything that led up to that, that I, you know,'s there, but you don't refocus on those. You know, that's like one of those little things like uh, the Reader's Digest versions. It's there and you can get it to it, but you're not getting in all the details. When I wrote the book, I had to relive literally every minute of that that I could remember. And it was extremely tough. So I know what you're talking about. I had bottled all that stuff away for 20 years. And, but I also had to go back and contact a lot of people and say, Hey, I'm writing this book <laughs> and I, I'm going to, you're going to be in the book and it could be you or it could be an anonymous name, but you're going to be in there. And I felt like you should know, because even an anonymous name, you're probably going to figure it out if somebody tells you. And um, did you have to do that as well? Did you? So tell me what that process was like when you start calling somebody to say, I'm going to be rehashing this on national television for anybody to see. And I kind of need you to know, were you seeking approval or were you going to do it regardless? And you just needed them to know. Um, I, I was, I was going to do it regardless. Um, simply due to the fact that, that it's, it's something that we had already gotten through. We, we had already passed. Like we had already processed that. It had been such a long time ago that I knew that it wasn't going to be a, a, a big deal. It wasn't going to be a problem. Um, I left the anonymity at the, them, uh, you know, to, cause it's just not really the people that don't know them. It's none of, it's none of their, they didn't put themselves out on blast. I did. They shouldn't have to endure people asking them questions or anything else like that. Or, you know, it, it's just not, this is something I'm doing. It's not something that they're doing. You know what I mean? That's fair. So, yeah. That's completely fair. How did you get on this particular episode? Was there a casting call? Was there, hey, send in your story? How did this happen? Uh, Jack, actually, I think, if I recall correctly, we had actually, I'd already spoken with them before COVID. So this is a really long time ago that we had actually spoken about. And this is before the story was even pitched. I think Eli Roth was just working on getting the stories and then seeing if the networks wanted to pick them up, if I'm not mistaken, if that's how that went. Um, so I had written down a quick synopsis of, of the situation that I'd gone through and they got a call back and, uh, we talked and talked and talked. And then, uh, he said that he really wanted to push forward with the story that he had pushed it forward to his producers and everybody else. And that they really, really liked what I had put down and wanted more. And everything was kind of getting on the green light and then COVID hit and I didn't hear anything back from anybody for, oh, I want to say almost over, over a year, if I'm not mistaken. And then one day I just get a text message um, out of the blue and it took me a second because like, who is this? And it was <laughs> him saying, we have, we have the green light that we're ready to start filming, you know, what works for you so I can go ahead. And I was like, what is he talking about? And I was like, oh my gosh, I had completely forgotten that this was in the works. And it hit and I think, I think they put the first two episodes out, mine and Shannon, Shannon's was first. And um, Shannon's actually the next person I'm interviewing. Yeah. She's awesome. She's awesome. Um, but I think they, they put ours out on Destination Plus first. And I think that it had done so well from my understanding. And then it went over to the Travel Channel and got out for the full season or series for in February. Is that right? February, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been interesting. This is my first run at something like this. So it, it was definitely um, it was definitely an all new ballgame for me. <laughs> 
Now we're gonna get, we're not gonna rehash the whole episode because obviously we want people to go watch the episode. Do you remember the name of the episode? I meant to look that up. I can't Dark remember. Entity. Okay, so that's the name of it, but it's the second. It's the very second episode. Eli Ross, a ghost ruined my life. So go look it up. It's on on demand, and you can check it out. I watched a little bit of it earlier today, just to kind of rehash. But I don't I don't want you to retell the exact same story. First of all, I want this to be fun and loose, and I don't want to get y'all flustered again because I, I'd, I'd imagine uh, I've been into those retelling modes and I know it's it's hard to get out of that mood but can you in a nutshell just kind of give a brief synopsis of what happened as far as what the episode is based on the episode is based on a true story this really did happen and a lot of people look at it and they're like oh my god the show is so intense especially the spiders the spider situation was intense but it was not as intense as that that was obviously for tv <laughs> dramatic purposes right. Um, but like I said, this, this whole haunting and, and attachment and everything that we had for our family happened over about a two-year process. We were in our apartment for about a year and it was a slow process. Uh, the, the entity had shown itself to me for like two or three nights in a row, um, in our apartment. And then a few days later, it had moved on to our daughter and she, like, I thought she was having night terrors, but she was running into the bedroom and jumping in the bed, like scared. And she hadn't had these night terrors in a long time. And then my wife, um, she had told me in, that she had seen it standing on her side of the bed over her for a couple nights in her own, couldn't wake me up. Same scenarios. And then my sister-in-law that was staying with us at the time, she said that she had seen it standing over her in the living room when she was staying on her couch for a few days in a row. Now, none of us had any idea that the other ones had experienced this until one night, two or three weeks after the whole, you know, was done and done. We were all sitting outside talking and we all had the same story about how this thing was running around our apartment. So I immediately went into, Oh my gosh, as soon as everybody's out of the house, sage the house, you know, try to get everything out and make it okay for us to live in. We had two dogs and a daughter in kindergarten and, you know, the rest of us live in there. Spiders happened about that time. I had gotten bit on the leg by this brown recluse. And I, it, to me at first it was a spider biter. I thought it was a mosquito bite. It started to get worse and worse. And then come to find out it was a brown recluse bite. Never could find a spider. Yeah, never could find a spider. I went through the whole house, all everywhere, every corner, couldn't find it. And one morning we had gotten up and my wife goes to pull back the bed sheets and it's sitting there in the bed that we had just, that we had just laid in. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I kill it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is a brown recluse. Well, you know, they shrivel up real quick whenever you kill them. You can't really tell what they are at that point. So I wound up going around the house again and actually finding a couple more and catching them live because I had called our apartment complex, told them we had brown recluse. They're like, oh, no, nobody else has brown recluse. You tell me don't have brown recluse, but we'll get the bug guy out there in a few days. I think he comes next Wednesday, a week later. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So the bug guy finally gets out there and he looks at them. And he goes, oh, yep, yep. Those are brown recluse. He starts looking around the whole apartment and it is so bad that he had to bomb it twice, fog it twice. And we are very wow. clean people. Like these things that all of a sudden came out of, they're in the corners. <clears throat> they weren't in the places you would think they would be like under the bed or in the closets. They were out in the open, like in the corners of certain rooms and stuff. And behind the refrigerator was where they were worse. So then there was all that whole debacle. Well, it, we it was funny. It's funny that they were so hard to find at first and then they're everywhere. Everywhere. It was almost like overnight. And that was the one thing I could not wrap my brain around. So we wound up moving. Um, Shortly thereafter, we we had gotten a house, and this the everything was cool and calm at the new house. And then it was probably two or three weeks into after we had moved in there, 
that I started seeing the entity and so did my wife again, like out of the corner in our bed, out of our bedroom that goes into the living room. Same situation, kind of, kind of dismissed this one. She had another night terror. Yeah, she had a couple more night terrors through it when we first moved into the apartment or the house again. So it was one of those things where it was kind of running back around again and uh, life got traumatic, like very turmoil within the house. We, we didn't, we didn't stay together too much longer after that. So could be one of those things where it could have just been, we weren't a good match for each other. It could have been that that had something to do with our breakup. It could have been a million other things, but it's just that thing was there every time we started having chaos in our relationship. The television show, it started off really by um, making it seem as though a lot of this had to do with the death of her father. Uh, was that as accurate or would you say that it probably is just more the way they made it seem and it really didn't have much to do with it? They had asked me about that. The way that my wife had found out that I kind of have these abilities to sense things around me when her father passed there was one night that we were going out, her father passed and died suddenly. They found him in his bed. I think the next morning, somebody had gone in to check on him because he didn't come to work. And he was laid up in bed in the same position that he had been in from the night before. He had been telling my wife the whole time that um, he was going to, he was going to die soon. And I, I thought he was just trying to get attention out of her, this, that, and the other. After he passed, I kind of told her one night because he was all but hitting me on the back of my neck to tell her, I didn't mean to do this. This was not intentional. This was not how this was supposed to go. I'm so sorry. You know, and I told her key points about her dad. I'd never met him. And she had had an estranged relationship from him for quite a few years, but they were starting to get back in contact. So it was really hard for her. She took it really, really hard. And um, it kind of took her off guard. And then it wasn't until two weeks later that we were actually at a family cookout and her mother had actually sit down and was talking to us. And she said, oh my gosh, I had the crazy stream about your dad. It was so vivid the other night. Like he was sitting on the edge of the bed and everything almost word for word verbatim that I had told her, her mom told her that he said to her, she got pale as a ghost. She turns around and looks at me and has, I mean, just jaw drop. And I'm like, oh, don't say anything. Just leave it be, leave it be. And of course, you know, she tells the whole family and I'm like, oh man, here we go. So that was kind of one of those things that pushed me to get back into the paranormal. Ever since I was a kid, I've had this really weird sixth sense about me. Um, and still to this day, it still exists. I mean, I didn't really have it there for a while until after her dad passed. And it was all but him hitting me on the back of my neck to tell her something that it turned everything back on. If, if that's the best I can explain it. So it kind of pushed me into getting into the paranormal, kind of helping people with this and putting my own team together. So, so let's talk about. Let's talk about your own team and what you're doing. I, I saw, um, are, do you do some stuff with South Pittsburgh Hospital? I'm actually one of the volunteers. I've investigated that place and been a volunteer for, gosh, uh, since before Ronnie D even got it. So it has to be going on about five or six years now, I think, that I've been a part of OSPH, PRC. So great group of people. Awesome place to investigate if anybody gets a chance to get out there. Never disappoints. Yeah, it's it's one of those places that anybody uh, like I was talking to Chad Lindbergh and uh, uh, John Tenney, and, and they both said that place is tops amongst, you know, the places that they've been. And, you know, it just seems like anybody I've talked to that's been down that way always has nothing to say, but how awesome the experiences were. And we were down. Uh, we went down to Chattanooga last year. 
And we was right there so close and I couldn't make it to go in there, but I wanted to at least take a tour of the place. And so I've still never been there. Oh, you have to let me know next time you're going to be in town. I'll make a point to come out there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Come check it out. So yeah, we will definitely do that. Cool I call it home. I really do. Like, you know how most investigators have like their home base that they consider their, their number one place. And that's home to me. So what, what, what makes it, what makes it so special? Do you think the people, the, I mean, the place itself kind of sucks you in. It was one of the first places that whenever I started out getting into investigating places, I had this notion that I was going to go in balls to the wall and just say anything that popped out of my head. I didn't know anything about the place. Didn't know it existed. It was kind of like a blind drop in. My friends took me over there. We were spending the night. So I walked around and I started pinpointing and talking about the things that were running through my head about scenarios and people and things that have probably happened here and what I was feeling in this area and their jaws are dropped and they couldn't believe how spot on I was about things that they didn't even know about that we actually found out years later that I was like spot on 100% correct about and it kind of blew my mind. So then I kept doing it thinking, oh, that was just a lucky guess, lucky walkthrough. I'm just, I could pick up on the fact that maybe these things happened in these areas and I got it right. So we started dropping me off into other places, other haunted locations, just to see, and I don't let anybody tell me anything about it, just to see if I could do it again. And I told them every time we do this, next time you drop me off in a place, if I'm completely off and nowhere even near close to what this really, this place is or what it was about, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing the paranormal anymore. I've been waiting for that day to happen and it has yet to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen, is it? <laughs> Well, it, it's it's one of those things, like I said, it just every place is different for every person, I think. And, you know, like for me, Waverly, I'm an hour and 15 minutes up the road from Waverly. I've been there so many times. Bobby Mackey's same distance, which is I'm smack dab in the middle of both of them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, we are so lucky to be within four or five hours of so many great locations like uh like the hospital there, we're there. And then we're getting ready to do our uh, uh, sixth anniversary show at the old hospital on College Hill up in uh, West, Western West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia, oh, Williamson. Really? Nice. Yeah, so we're going to be there in August. And like I said, we do a live event. Bobby Mackey's in October of every year. They shut the place down and give it to us on a Sunday to just go in there and have fun. And so, yeah, about me, but there's just so many places within distance of us. It's, it's, it's so awesome. And uh, we're blessed. And if we're going to end up moving to Florida next year, then we won't be close to anything. So <laughs> I don't know if you talk to PKC, they've got a lot of places out there that they keep trying. Well, to yeah, they, they definitely do. That's their, that's their home area. So they got, a, they got, they keep talking about the old jail down there. I haven't been there yeah. yet either. So they've been trying to drag, drag me out there too. I, and I keep telling them I'm going to make it out there eventually. It's supposed to go at the end of this month, actually. So we'll see. We'll see if I make it out there. If we do, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're actually going to the Orlando area, uh, in about three weeks so yeah oh really might be about the same time maybe i'll see you out there <laughs> yeah, you never you know. know candace tell everybody how they can keep up with your group what is the name of your group by the way i see you paranormal it's the investigators collective of the unseen paranormal but i had to make it funny so when i see you you know me that's, that's funny um and so i have a icu paranormal.org and then my facebook icu paranormal um and i have See, I don't even keep up with my own stuff. I do. I'm going to start doing Seekers of the Unseen again. It was a, a, a Facebook Live that I was doing every week, once a week, that will be starting back up again once I start getting full fledged into everything else. And then I do have a 
Instagram. Again, I wasn't keeping up with all my stuff. <laughs> Jack was actually helping me out get everything collected together for me there for a while. And uh, now I'm starting to actually get back into taking everything over myself. So, cause he's busy right now. God bless Jack Kenna. I love him. Um, yeah, I know he's, yeah. I know he had a, he, he said something the other day and he had to take a little bit of a break on what they've been doing just because he's got so much going on right now. So <laughs> he deserves it. He needs a break. <laughs> Jack, Jack is, and I've said this before, we've had Jack on, I think three times, but Jack is one of my all time favorite people in the paranormal field. And he will always be that way because he takes the time. He's been more than helpful. When we were at Scarefest, my granddaughter was so excited to meet Jack Kenna. He is her favorite uh, paranormal investigator. And she went over there and probably spent half the time we were there. At, we had a booth right across from Jack. And that's how we actually met Jack. And he was so nice and helpful. And she couldn't wait to go over there. And he was so nice to her. Where I would imagine some people would have been like, okay, you've been hanging around for a while. Cause she was about 10 at the time. And, you know, but Jack, I mean, he gave yeah. her books and he signed stuff for her. And then every time she comes and he's anywhere to be seen, she just goes and spends her time with Jack. So oh, he's absolutely amazing. Like I said, he's done. He was, he is actually the reason ICU paranormal began in the first place. I, I and I still do work with R&R paranormal and paranormal adventures events. Um, but he, he wanted me to kind of reach out and he wanted a team that he and Carly and myself would be a part of. <clears throat> and he goes, I want you to put together a team for me, kid. I said, well, what's it? you have teams. You're on like a million teams. <laughs> what do you need me to put a team together? He goes, cause I think you'd be really good at it. And I want something based out of Nashville. He goes, your team. I just want to be a part of it. So then here it is. I see you paranormal. And like I said, we, we still will get the, um, I, I want to push, I see paranormal more towards helping people um, privately, you know, home investigations and stuff, but also doing what we can to donate money towards the right causes like PKC does and, and what we were going to do with Autism Speaks because it's such a platform right now, especially with the paranormal hitting as hard as it is. There's no reason why we can't use it for better things than just, just our own financial gain. I mean, right I now, you know, my hands and Jack's hands, all of our hands are in so many different things that it, it wouldn't even take just a little bit of time out of our day just to push, to give back to something that we, you know, push forward, you know, kids, hunger, whatever, whatever it is that you want to push for, just giving back to something. Yeah. It's like, it's like I said, we're all about trying to help and give back. We were, we were able to get, uh, get our listeners to donate $2,500 that we took down to the tornado relief in Western Kentucky. Uh, so we, we actually gathered all the stuff up, took it down there ourselves. And we couldn't be more proud that our, our listeners see things from a given standpoint, like we see things and, you know, it seems like every year we were able to, we had a family that was in need. We just had, Hey guys, we got a family that's in need at Christmas time. Two years ago had like over $700 donated in two days, just from listeners dollar here, $10 there. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's about using your platform to help others. And we use ours to help mental illness and to, uh, uh, suicide relief and for our veterans. And so it's, you know, and then also PKC, which is paranormal kicks cancer. We just absolutely would feel disgusted of ourselves if we didn't have a platform like this and not use it to benefit others. Well, it's like Robin Terry that owns Ashmore out there. They do the um, lost limbs foundation and he does kids days and a lot of stuff for suicide prevention. Also, if I'm not mistaken, which, and that was something that they touched on going back to your earlier question when they were, why I was so, I didn't know that they were going to bring up my, my suicide attempt that I had as well. 
Um, and it was something that he kind of threw out there right there at the end. And uh, yeah, when you get to that moment of complete and utter destitute, not knowing, you know, where to go and what to do, it's, uh, it, it sucks. And, you, you know, especially when you think you're never going to be that type of person when you don't think you have anybody to talk to, you know, that's, that's kind of a, it's a rough place to be. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete advocate for suicide awareness and, and stuff like that as well. So. And I'm glad you brought up Robin Terry because we brought up Robin and him helping out the Lost Limbs Foundation too. Mike Couch is an, he, he's a life-changing individual to meet. We had an opportunity at CryptidCon in Lexington to be set up right next to him a couple of years ago. And I didn't know anything about Mike and, and we talked and talked and talked and, and, you know, he's missing his, uh, his leg. And sometimes he's got his prosthetic on, but sometimes it really bothers him. He has a lot of intense pain and he has his book about, you know, how he dealt with that and how he started the Lost Limbs Foundation uh, for children in that situation. And uh, so we've actually uh, played some commercials for Mike on here and, and talked about Robin Terry when we actually did the Ashmore States episode and talked about how he benefits uh, the Lost Limbs Foundation. And so uh, there's so many good foundations out there. And like I said, we, we've got a couple of Mike's T-shirts for the Rhodes uh, Hotel and, and uh, you know, great people, man. Just this is like a, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up all these things, man. It just made me feel very nostalgic tonight when I wouldn't even <laughs> think that way. Yeah, we work with a lot of good people. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be on, on the side of the paranormal. I was thinking about that the other day and bringing this up now. A lot of the people that I'm surrounded with, I, I hear a lot of people complaining about how the paranormal and the, it's just so superficial. But I kind of look around and go, I really am surrounded by some of the best people in the paranormal, in, in my opinion. I mean, I work with a lot of really good people that are out there to, for the right reasons, doing it for the right causes and the right things. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. Candace, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you again. I appreciate it. And I'm I'm really happy you've been able to move past the episodes uh, that happened back during that time of your life. I know uh, life gets tough sometimes. And if you've had a suicide attempt in the past that you just sometimes it makes it a little tougher because you tend to drift back in that mentality and you get to slap yourself out of it. I've been there, done that. And uh, I'm glad you've been able to move past it at this point. Now I just continue to throw myself in other traumatic situations like relationships. Just kidding. <laughs> She's sitting right there. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> You're good, dear. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good one.